On February 4, 1976, when I was at the Fenner Arboretum in Lansing, Michigan, I heard some soft, rising bee notes coming from the top of a birch tree, sounding very much like the little call notes my grandpa's canaries made when I was a child. I looked up with my binoculars, and what to my wondering eyes should appear but a common red pole, number 123, on my life list. I had so loved my grandpa that a bird who could conjure up memories of him was destined to be one of my favorite birds. I didn't see red poles regularly until Russ and I moved to Duluth in 1981. They're one of the finches that stage invasion years when vast numbers descend upon the United States. We did have one of those years while we were still in Madison, Wisconsin. On February 12, 1978, when I was birding with my dearest birding buddy, Ken Wood, we came upon a flock of red poles with one very pale bird among them. Them, one with a slightly shorter beak as if someone had landed a punch on the bird's kisser pushing it in. A hoary red pole, number 264 on my life list. Ken, who was much more interested in the plants the red poles were feeding in, thought the field marks distinguishing the two red pole species were too subtle for certainty. I thought the same thing about the brown, dead-looking composite plants he was waxing euphoric over. Through the many winters since we moved to Duluth, I've taken a lot of pleasure watching red poles gathered at a tray window feeder in my upstairs home office. And in 2013, the very first bird I saw when I got up on January 1st and opened the draperies was a hoary red pole, an auspicious start to my big year. But alas, from the time I took my first ornithology class way back in 1975, I knew that some ornithologists were claiming that the two red poles we see here and a European one called the lesser red pole were just one species. In recent decades, as DNA analyses blew open the whole field of avian taxonomy, it was only a matter of time until the avian equivalent of 23andMe worked out red pole ancestry. And sure enough, on Tuesday, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, Birdwatching Magazine dropped a bomb, reporting on a paper just published in Nature Communications. The lead author of this paper, Eric Funk, a graduate student at the University of Colorado Boulder, examined the full genomes of 73 individuals from all three red pole types. He found that they were almost identical genetically, except for one supergene that controls the differences in plumage color and beak shape, differences that can be adaptive in local environments. The authors consider the three types, the pale, hoary red pole with its shorter, narrower bill, the darker, common red pole, and the more brownish, lesser red pole, to be ecotypes, not full species. 
I don't much care about the number of birds on my life list anymore. It's hard to keep track of anyway. It wasn't that long ago that I woke up one morning with a lifer without even going bird watching. After that same taxonomic committee split the rufous-capped warbler into two species. The ones I'd seen in Arizona and Mexico remained that way on my life list. But suddenly, the ones I'd already seen in Costa Rica and Panama were chestnut-capped warblers, an unexpected addition to my life list. So as they say, taxonomists giveth and taxonomists taketh away. No matter whether it's a separate species or just a very pretty version of one of my favorite birds, taxonomists cannot take away that beautiful early morning look at the lovely pale red pole I saw at the start of my big year. I'll keep looking through red poles, picking out the light ones, even as I delight in every single one of them. They're all still red poles, and I'll always love every one of them. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.